We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. All right, the show today brought to you by Window Nation. They've got one of their best deals of the year. All right, listen carefully. Buy two, get two free with no limit, plus their 000 offer. What does that mean? Zero down payment, zero payments, and 0% interest for two full years. So if you go to windownation.com or call windownation at 866-90-NATION, mention my name, you will get a deal where essentially you won't pay for your windows for two years. And when you start paying for them, you're going to pay for them at half price. Windownation or 866-90-NATION and mention my name. Tommy's here with me today on this Thursday. We're getting the podcast out a little bit later. My fault Mostly, um, it may have been your fault if you had had to stand in line for a long period of time to get your vaccine, but it went really well, didn't it? It went as as smooth as government can go, baby. It it went that smooth. (laughs) That was really well done. That was really well done. I'm glad you acknowledged that um, in a very sort of uh, sarcastic way that it's not always smooth. Well, this one couldn't have gone smoother. I'm so happy it really, for you. I mean, we, we, we went on the website, we, and we had been on the website about three or four times before. Now, we, you know, the way they set this up sometimes is you had to get on the website, and the website wouldn't open till like 5 in the morning. So you had to get up, to, and everyone says like a mad dash to, to get on the site and to get an appointment. So we had a couple of failures, but eventually we got one. And uh, the thing is, down here, they've made a point of that you got to be a Florida resident right. to uh, get this vaccine. And I thought, at part, you know, that was a reaction by Governor DeSantis down here. That was a reaction to people who were taking, like I described, vaccine cations. They were coming to Florida to sit in the sun and get a vaccine. That's all they were doing. Well, is it easier uh, to get a vaccine in Florida than it is in Maryland? I guess it is. Well, for one thing, I think in Maryland they're still doing 75 and older, Mm. and here they're doing 65 and older. Got it. Which one did you get, Moderna or Pfizer? I I got the Moderna. Okay. Did you have a choice? 
Not that I was aware of. And this I mean, is- I, look, I, I was on I was on shaky ground here, and nobody had indicated that I was on shaky ground. But I wasn't going to buck the system and say, "Well, no, I don't want that one. I'll take the other one." <laughs> it's not a buffet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, isn't the Moderna the one, or maybe both of them are, where you're going to need a follow-up booster shot? Yes, and I've already got an appointment. When you leave, they give you a card that records that you had the vaccine and your appointment date to get the second shot. So I've already got one for the same time, February 25th, 9 in the morning, at the same location. And it was the thing where, you know, you're supposed to report at a certain time you get there. You stand in line maybe about 10 minutes tops. And then there's about a dozen different stations of, of, of nurses waiting to give you the shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very efficient and very, and at the end, you got to sit for 15 minutes in a big room to make sure you don't pass out or, or something like that. And, uh, they had a record player in there and they were playing records. I'm sure. They had an actual turntable in there. (laughs) Playing some Sinatra maybe for the crowd. Was there coffee and donuts? No, oh. I didn't see any coffee and donuts okay. there. That's too bad. Neither I... of which I eat. I eat or drink, by the way. I know you do. But it, 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 was, it felt like a great moment of empowerment. Now, from what I've read, it takes about 12 days for you to get the protection in your system. And when you get the first shot, you're about 52% protected. So you're going underground for, for a while. Shot, well, no, I mean, I've been careful all along. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't eaten in an indoor restaurant since March. You know, I, I wear a mask when I go outside most of the time, unless I'm, I'm smoking and walking. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so I've been pretty, we've been pretty careful. I've been pretty diligent about it. We eat, when we eat out, we eat out in outdoor restaurants only. Uh, so uh, I just got to do what I've been doing. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I feel pretty good the way I've been handling it. And, uh, you know, it'll... I mean, I don't, I don't know what the first place will be once I am fully vaccinated and protected, but I can tell you what's high on the list is Shelly's back room. Yeah, I bet. I haven't been in about 18 months. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I would imagine that a lot of people haven't been to Shelly's. That's got to be one of those, you know, incredibly socially distanced uh, environments. Not to, not to mention, I mean, it's tough to breathe in there anyway when you're in there. I'm kidding. I love Shelly's. Oh, I, it is. I'm kidding. I love Bob and I and I love all the people down there. And um, you know what? Uh, When 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 you go down to Shelley's for your first cigar and beer, uh, call me and I will meet you down there just to be downtown and be able to walk into a restaurant. I now I've gone to restaurants, as you know, I've gone to restaurants. I've sat inside socially distanced. I've sat outside. Um, it's not that I'm reckless. Um, I, I've done it carefully, but I, but I, I've certainly done that. But um, what a nice day it would be for two vaccinated, good old friends and 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 business cohorts to have a cigar and a cold beer down at Shelley's when when this is all over. I'm ready for that. You know, <laughs> when's the last time we saw each other? Um, face to face. Uh, it's got to be March, like March or April. February. No, not April. Got to be March. 
I think yeah, it's got to be Mark. I think I didn't. Well, you uh, you were the first one. Okay, l- let's be fair here. You really did have this before anybody else had it. I mean, you had it before the Chinese had it, before the the U.S. had it, before anybody else had it. You, in February, were talking about this virus, and you were the first one to call tournament. What are you talking about the tournament? They're not going to play the tournament. That was actually an incredible call about a week in advance, because I remember, I'll never forget saying to you, you know what's really strange, Tommy? On Selection Sunday, they ought to pick some extra teams, because what if one, what if a player or a coach gets infected? That team might actually have to forfeit. And you just said to me, extra team? There's no, there's no tournament? They're not going to play the tournament, you dummy! And I just laughed and I said, well, of course they're going to play the tournament. Um, but you were right. And that was probably a solid week and a half in advance of all hell breaking loose with Rudy, Go- Rudy Gobert, who really started it. And, you know, in hindsight, yeah. clearly, and hindsight, as Steve Spurrier said many years ago, is 50-50, they, they could have played everything and everybody would have been fine back then. Um, anyway. Would have been a hell of a tournament. Would have been a hell of a tournament. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. Uh, so I'm happy. I'm happy. So, and, and 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 the other thing, and the other thing I noticed is everybody there is in such a good mood. Oh, sure. I mean, it's really like a feel good place because the people who are giving out the shots are, are you know feel good about making these other people feel good, and everyone feels good who's getting the shot. I mean, it's. It's, it's such a remarkable feeling of everybody being happy in the same place. Well, that's why they had the music uh, you know, going. I mean, you probably <laughs> in the waiting room probably could have gotten a quick dance in. You're a big dancer. People were happy. You should have brought a cooler in with you <laughs> and broken well, out a couple a of red stripes. Time. A couple of red stripes after the shot. That would have been see. That would have been a great photo of yourself in the waiting room after the shot. Uh, you know, swigging down a few red stripes, yucking it up with some of the other people in there. Um, was it basically a 65 and older crowd, or were there people that were eligible for the vaccine that were younger because of health vulnerability? I didn't see anybody younger. <laughs> Everybody I saw was 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 strong and like bull, like me, uh-huh. at the age of 66. Very good. What was the um, what was the uh, what was the, the the play the musical that um, that was about the Four Seasons, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons? It was Jersey Boys. Jersey Boys. Uh, so we saw. I remember Kara going, "Hey, do you want to go see Jersey Boys? I heard it's pretty good." Because we actually. Um, the Sheehan's actually like musicals, and the boys, we've taken them, you know, to New York and, and to various places around town, arena stage, whatever, um, well, for, for musicals over the years. Well, a, it's it's not that we're super... a revealing moment. Here. Well, I've told you, I've told you that before. Um, Kara and I like, I mean, I, I actually enjoy the theater. I love going to New York. There was a stretch there for many years where we would try to go to New York once or twice a year to see a show, get dinner, meet friends, the whole thing, whatever. Anyway, um... I th- I've told you before, like, my all-time favorite uh, Broadway musical is Rent. 
And my boys grew up listening to the soundtrack of Rent for their entire childhood. They can basically sing every single song from that soundtrack, which is a great soundtrack. Wow. Anyway, um, the reason I bre- we saw we saw Rent we saw Rent at the Warner Theater. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, I saw it there too. And it stunk. Yeah, you're wrong about terrible. that. I think I've seen. I think I. I, I think terrible. we've seen it seven times, something like that, over the years. Anyway, um, th- that's you know what that was. This would have been perfect for that segment that we we talked about doing years ago, which is tell me something that I don't know about you, and that would have been a perfect one. Uh, that uh, that I, I've seen Rent probably six or seven times. That's not an exaggeration. Anyway, back to Jersey Boys. I remember we went to, I think, maybe we saw it at Warner Theater. I forget where we saw it. But, Tommy, I remember walking in and looking around, and I thought maybe I had shown up at the place where they were giving vaccines. (laughs) Because there's no way that I wasn't the youngest person in that place by 40 years. I couldn't believe it. it, Now, to be fair, I think it was a matinee. so that may have uh, made uh, a difference, but I don't know what made. I guess what made me think of that is is the waiting room for you today at the vaccine place. What, what were you gonna say? Well, they were they weren't they weren't playing any Frankie Valley on on the, on the turntable. I don't even remember what they were playing. Yeah, probably more like Glenn Miller. You probably had some Glenn Miller band yeah. going. I never saw that play. I saw the movie. I liked the movie, but I was not a big Four Seasons fan growing up. Um, me neither. I mean, that's really before my time. They had that um, Who Loves You Baby uh, song in, in the 70s and a couple of others in the 70s when they made a, a comeback of sorts, I guess. But anyway, enough on that. Um, what would you trade for Deshaun Watson? He is officially available. Or, or, I'm sorry, he is officially demanded a trade. Now, apparently, this has been a well-known fact for a while that he demanded that trade. You know, they hired the coach... Uh, last night for the Texans. Did you see who they hired? Yeah, the older guy. <laughs> yeah, the guy that like, the, you may have met him like, a few hours ago. He's like my age. Yeah, now, yeah. He he may have been in in the line with you down in Florida for the vaccine. Um, yeah. The uh, the the hire of David Culley. David David yeah David Culley. Okay. Um, is. It actually was a very interesting hire because when the story broke last night, and I'm looking for it right now, hold on for one second. When the story broke last night, um, here it is. Here's here's uh, on ESPN.com. This is the second paragraph. Um, Cully, 65, who has spent the past two seasons in Baltimore, just completed his 27th season as an NFL coach. Along with serving as the team's assistant head coach, Cully was Baltimore's passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach. And then the next line. The Ravens the Ravens finished the 2020 season ranked last in the NFL in passing. So they hired the Baltimore passing game coordinator and he coached them up to a last place finish uh, in passing statistics. Um, you know, I did not know this um, until just an hour or so ago, but Brian Mitchell apparently either played for Cully at some point along the line or knows him and has been talking up David Cully as a head coach candidate for years on his show. 
Um, and I, I didn't realize. I had never heard of him, Tommy. Had you? No. no I, I never heard of him. Um, Cully was in Philadelphia probably when Brian was there um, in 1999 and 2000 as the wide receivers coach. He had never been a coordinator in the NFL, never had risen to the level of coordinator. He's he's a head coach. By the way, he is the, um, in terms of head coaches go, um, the second minority hire um, of the seven. Uh, general managers, three minority hires out of the seven new general managers. Um, but David Cully apparently didn't impress Deshaun Watson very much because they immediately went public today after the announcement of David Cully as the head coach with we have demanded a trade. And that's been the story here this afternoon um, about Deshaun Watson. So in all seriousness, I think um, if I'm Houston, uh, you'd have to absolutely blow me away with a deal that would allow me to replace Watson with either a player that I'm absolutely confident will become at least Watson, like a Trevor Lawrence maybe, or with an existing quarterback that is at or near his level or even exceeds it like an Aaron Rodgers. Or I would not trade him. I would. I, there's no chance after he signed a four-year, $156 million contract in September would I trade him, no matter how much he demands to be traded, unless I got the most unbelievable deal back. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. The flip side to that is, if you're Washington, would you be? Would you just swing big and say, this never happens? A top five, top six quarterback, franchise quarterback at 25 years old, available with a decent cap number the next couple of years. Uh, we'll, Houston, name your price, and we will we will put an escalator in there. Um, and we this is our offer, but we will we will increase the offer to this amount um, if we have to. Would you do that? You know, there's a big part of me that would say yes. But my basic philosophy of team building would say no. What's your basic philosophy of team building? I can, I, I'm hiring guys that will find my quarterback for me. Uh-huh. The personnel people I have working for my team will find my quarterback for me or else that, they're not working for my you, team. You're saying find find your quarterback in the draft? Yes. Okay, because they might also find your quarterback for you via a trade. Or free agency, right? But you I but, get that. But but that's. But I have to give up too much. I have to give up too much for that. Yeah. Well, I don't have to give up anything if I just you know when it's my turn to pick, pick my quarterback. Um, it is. That's how I would generally operate if I was operating a team. But trust me, I understand people who would say, you know, open up, open, open up the cash drawer for Deshaun Watson. I get that. Adam Schefter reported earlier today that Deshaun Watson hasn't spoken to the new GM yet, Nick Casario, nor that Jack Easterby guy, which apparently he's the problem in the organization. Um, Watson officially requested the trade per league sources. It was announced today, even though it may have happened a few weeks ago. The new head coach hire, David Culley, um, has not and will not alter Watson's thinking. I wonder if Eric Bieniemy would have. I, I wonder if there was a coach that would have made Deshaun Watson say, okay, I'll stay, I'll play for him. Um, 
it's gonna it, it could become very costly to, uh, for Deshaun Watson, and this is where you get into the kind of organization Houston is versus others. I think there are some organizations with, that would just cave immediately and say, "You don't want to be here, fine." Um, we're going to trade you. And others, I mean, Bruce Allen, you know he would have dug his heels in and he would have fined him the maximum and would have said, uh, you're going to come back once you start missing paychecks. Um, by the way, his he doesn't have any options. It's not like he can trade himself. You know, he has to rely on Houston to trade him. Um, once he starts missing mini camp days, if they are mini camp days, it's 95000 plus a mini camp session. For each training camp day he misses, it's $50,000. And I'm talking about fines before we even get to, you know, how, what he would be missing for, you know, a, a, a salary. Um, and you know, if he were to retire to say, you know, basically you can all go to hell, he'd have to pay the Texans back $21.5 million. There is sort of an economic reality that I think a player in Deshaun Watson's situation may have to deal with, you know, being emotional and can, and not liking your employer and not liking that they didn't consult you and, and not liking a specific person in the organization is one thing. Um, but when you get to understanding that, oh, that paycheck, you know, it wasn't direct deposited into my account for $627,000 for, you know, the one game that I played, um, uh, or a million dollars or whatever it is, uh, you know, you start to think twice. I mean, there's a real reality to the, to the economics that doesn't hit the player unless the team really decides to make the player feel the pain. It, I think this is a fascinating situation because McNair apparently is a bit of a hard ass. And um, to be honest with you, he is a special player. And Tommy, he signed this deal... He signed this deal. Do you know he signed the deal after DeAndre Hopkins was traded? Like, it wasn't the DeAndre Hopkins trade and Bill O'Brien and this guy Jack Easterby and the promise to uh, allow him to be involved in picking the general manager. It was because he signed it after Hopkins was traded. He should have thought about this before signing that deal in September that he might want to leave. Well, I'm sure he probably thinks he's more powerful. If he, I mean, he can pretty much... I'm sure he thinks, and from all accounts, uh, Deshaun Watson is, is, is a terrific young man. Yes. Uh, so, and I'm not saying this as a criticism, but he probably thinks, if I want to leave, I'll leave. Yeah. He, I'm Deshaun Watson. Right. Uh, but but he again he can't just leave. The reality is, if they decide, well, you can want to leave and you can think you can just leave, but you can't yeah, but just me, leave and go somewhere else. Tell me another situation where this has happened, where the player eventually gave in. It, well, I mean, big a player of this stature. Yeah, have we seen a player of this stature four, five months after signing a big deal demand a trade? A quarterback, a franchise quarterback, an elite quarterback, sign the second biggest deal in the history of the league, and then six months Look, later, the going to win. Five, five months the later, player is going to win in this. He's going to win. I think you might be right. I think you might be right about that. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just telling you what I think I would do. I'm not trading him if I can't replace him with a comp. 
and that's going to be hard to do. I mean, yeah. you know, it's going to be real hard to do because he has a no trade clause, which allows him to sort of dictate where he gets traded to if they decide to trade him. Well, he'll be jumping at the chance to, to play in Washington for uh, Scott Turner. <laughs> um, apparently, he's already made I mean, it. As, as many as many uh, pedals as we wanted to throw at Scott Turner's feet this year, and he did do a good job. I don't think quarterbacks are jumping at the chance to play for him yet. I think that he's already sort of indicated that uh, Miami and even the Jets, um, which are the two teams that would have, you know, significant, you know, capital, draft capital, and player capital, for that matter, in Darnold and or Tua, although it's neither one of them appears to be Deshaun Watson, um, you know, that that might happen. I, I think I agree with you. I think eventually Houston will say, Wow, I don't know how this happened. And God, you know, the the, the McNair and, and Casario are going to say this is a terrible precedent to set because, you know, the NFL does not want to become the NBA. It does not want to become a yeah. league in which the players sign deals and say, eh, I don't really feel like playing, uh, living up to this deal that I just signed four months ago. You know, so they don't want to become the NBA. And this would be the ultimate NBA move. You know, this is massive deal, years, years left on the contract. Not a year, years left on the deal. Just signed, just committed to. You got an organization that's been planning around this. And I know they have effed up in so many ways. It's been a bad franchise here, terrible franchise. Bill O'Brien made some horrific deals. You know, and in so many ways, I think if I were the owner of that team, I would have gone to Deshaun Watson. I wouldn't have promised him inclusion in the selection of a general manager or head coach. I would have just gone there as icing on the cake, like, hey, and surprised him. Hey, can you come in and spend some time with Nick Casario? Uh, we're interviewing him for the open GM job. Hey, would do you mind coming in and sitting down um, with, uh, with, with, with David Culley? Uh, he's he's in Baltimore. A lot of people, he comes highly recommended. Want to get your thoughts on him. Like, if you had done it that way, uh, and he, you know, without promising him and then not allowing him in on, on, the, uh, on the conversation, I think that would have played better. But the NFL well, doesn't... That, that's, you know, what, what's interesting is uh, for people who are offended that they're not included, if you can give them the illusion that they were included in the decision, they're usually satisfied with that. You know what? I think it's... You know, it's like, if you invite them in, even though you have every intention of hiring this guy to sit in on the interview, I mean, nine times out of ten, he's probably going to he's probably gonna go along with it, unless there's something, you know, so abhorrent that would be obvious to both of you uh, in, in the interview. So that would be smart business. To say, I got this powerful young player uh, who is a little bit sensitive. Uh, you know, let's let's convince him he's involved in the decision making. You know what you've well, just described. Want to do? You've just described what? what Ron Rivera is having to deal with all the time with the owner. This was the recommendation, right? The recommendation was make him yeah. feel like he's involved and that he's you know really contributed to the big decisions, but don't let him make the decisions. Okay, big decision here. Uh, Houston finally takes your call, and they say, you know, you you give them their pitch on the draft picks and all that. 
And they say, well, how about that Chase Young guy? Yes. What about him? I wouldn't say yes right away. I would say no right Right. away. Um, And then I would say... Um, we've got a couple of other guys, you know, we'd love to give you, uh, Montez sweat. Um, we've got, uh, we got a couple of young players here there. Uh, no, we want chase young. Yeah. I mean, I would really hate to do it, but the bottom line is if it was the only way to make the deal, a hundred percent, I would, I would trade chase young. Absolutely. I mean, if that's the one that gets the deal done, I, your 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 pass rusher that you fell in love with is not as valuable as one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. It's just not. I did this on radio today, and basically I said, wh- who would be an untouchable in a trade for Stafford? And I said, there's one untouchable in a trade for Stafford, and it's Chase Young. And for me, the reasoning... I- is, I agree with that. Is the thirty-three year years of age, and the truth is, Stafford isn't, you know, isn't Deshaun Watson. No. Um, however, I agree. Two, ha- two different deals. However, for Deshaun Watson, and I tried to explain to callers who disagreed with me vehemently, and 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 it's fine because I do think that there is, first of all, the debate if you wouldn't trade Chase Young for Deshaun Watson is that you don't think Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback. You don't think he's truly one of the elite quarterbacks. And if you don't think that, then that is a fair conclusion. I happen to think he is and that he's going to get better. Um, And so if you do believe he's an elite quarterback, like one of the top three to five quarterbacks, and maybe he even climbs on that list, you know, as he starts to enter his prime, which, by the way, he's still a couple of years away from. Um, you you do it so quickly that it's 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 such it's such a no brainer. And I put it in these terms, Tommy: if Deshaun Watson had been on the team this year and Chase Young weren't on the team, I think they would have won ten games minimum, nine or ten. And there would have been a chance that they'd still be playing. Now, I think they probably would have lost to, you know, Green Bay or maybe even Tampa Bay. And they would have played Tampa in the first round. But let's just say that they ended up having a – they would have been a team that would have been two to three games better and would have had a chance to win playoff games this year. And by the way, would have been a future next year, year after, Super Bowl pick for a lot of people. Now I agree with all that. Chase Young, All of it. they won seven games. Now, he missed some games. And by the way, he was a rookie, and he got better and better and better. And I'd hate to trade him, by the way. I want to make sure I'm really clear on this. He was my favorite player on the team. Even though I was very critical of his game against Tampa, I did not think he played well against Tampa. I think the defense as a whole basically didn't post against Tampa, and that's why they didn't have as good of a chance to win that game despite the magic uh, of Taylor Heineke and now all the pedals being thrown at his feet. <laughs> um, but I I absolutely uh, think that um, Chase Young is a player that has a chance to be the best player at his position in the NFL. And that's the first player on this team that I could say that about since Sean Taylor. You know, Trent Williams was never the best player 
at left tackle in the league. He was ne- never the best left tackle in the league. He was, you know, a top three to five guy, never the best. Chase Young, within a year or two, could be the best 4-3 defensive end pass rusher, you know, in the NFL. It would kill me to trade him. But for a top three to five quarterback, it's n- no-brainer. No-brainer. Now, what else would be in that deal? Uh, To me, Chase Young is a first-round pick and a high first-round pick going into his second year. And if they're requiring three firsts, what it would be is it would be number 19 this year, it would be your first-rounder next year, and it would be Chase Young. And, and And people are like, what are you talking about? Chase Young and two firsts? Uh, maybe it's Chase Young a first and a third or a first and a second, but you're not getting away for Chase Young for Deshaun Watson straight up, which should tell you automatically that if you don't think you should trade, uh, that that you should throw in uh, Chase Young as part of uh, of a deal for Watson, there isn't anybody in the league that wouldn't do that straight up unless they had Watson evaluated as uh, you know, not as high as most people do. If you don't think Watson's a top, you know, an elite quarterback, well, then you don't do that, obviously. But if you think he's and an elite quarterback, you go for it. This is just the football part of it. I mean, you're not going to have to convince the owner, who may love Chase Young for all I know, being the local star. You know, you're not going to have to convince the owner that you know he should trade Chase Young for Deshaun Watson. The star power difference between Chase Young in Washington and Deshaun Watson in Washington are two drastically different things. I mean, if your quarterback is Deshaun Watson in the nation's capital right now, let's say for the next five to seven years, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, there, 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 there's your marketing tool right there. There, there's your there, there's what you thought you had with Robert Griffin III. Yeah. Um, look, the bottom line is that's a major hypothetical, and Chase Young may not be something that Houston would require back anyway. They might just say, we need this year's first, your 2022 first, uh, your 2023 first, and we also need you know a third rounder from this year. And it may be all draft capital. And Washington doesn't have the same level of draft capital that, say, um, the Jets or the Dolphins have, as an example. Um, anyway, uh, or, or by the way, even New England has, <laughs> because the, the New England Patriots have a higher pick than Washington for yeah. the first time in 20 years. Um, uh, so you've, you've, got, you've got teams with a higher pick. Hell, the 49ers have a higher pick. Um, but the Jets and Dolphins each have two first-round picks. You know, the Jets have the second and the 23rd overall, and so they could deal those two and their first-rounder next year. And because the first-rounder is so high this year, that might do it. Three firsts for Watson straight up. The Dolphins could could do that as well. Um, look, my position has been as it relates to Stafford and Watson – um, I would uh, I would make no players um, uh, untouchable in a deal for Watson. I would make Chase Young untouchable in a deal for Ch- uh, for Matt Stafford. Um, and I, I know some of you th- think that you should make Terry McLaurin untouchable too. Terry McLaurin's nowhere near the level of Chase Young. Terry McLaurin's not going to be the best player at his position in the league. I think he could be a top ten 
receiver. Some of you think he is already. I don't know if he's that already. He's clearly a top half of the league number one wideout with great potential. And by the way, a great you know, culture guy too. You know, I talked about yesterday or, or the day before how much Ron Rivera loves John Allen, which is why I would bet on a contract extension for John Allen, not him being part of a trade if I was forced to bet one way or the other. Um, Chase Young would be my only untouchable in a deal for Stafford. Um, I wouldn't have anybody untouchable in a deal for Watson. But the bottom line, Tommy, is I don't think Washington is going to end up with either one of those two players. Um, I think there are going to be uh, better options for the two teams trading those players. I don't even know if Washington will be, you know, reach out. I think they should. I think they absolutely should be aggressive in going after Watson. I think absolutely they should go for it. That's the big swing you take on that position, that age, that level. That's where you, not Alex Smith for Kendall Fuller and a third and a whole new deal. You know, that's not what you're looking at. D- Deshaun Watson is one of the top five or six guys in the league and getting better. So. I agree. And I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers wind up with one of these two guys. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't be surprised if Miami, the Jets, the 49ers, the Panthers, uh, the Patriots, the Broncos, um, uh, the Raiders, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised with any of that. Now, you know, they're just some teams with with better situations um, draft capital-wise. Like a friend of mine uh, who's a big Cowboy fan said, the Cowboys should go after Watson and to hell with sign, re-signing Dak. Um, and I thought, well... You know, they right now they have a need for a quarterback. They don't have Prescott under contract. But I went and looked it up. They don't have a first-rounder next year. They only have a first-rounder this year, which is the 10th overall. Um, but they don't have a first-rounder, I don't think, next year. I think that's what I saw. Anyway, uh, so, we're man, we are agreeing on a lot of things today. We really are. Um, one last thing. Real quickly, it must, be, it must be the vaccine I got. Um, one last thing, real quickly. I hope it is. Uh, somebody, um, uh, I, I can't find who it was, but basically the premise was, um, or the uh, the interaction was, why are you so in love with Stafford? His record is seventy four and ninety, <clears throat> and um, that's that's been the sentiment of a lot of people in the Stafford conversation, and and I just. I went and just looked up a bunch of guys, and then people started tweeting me a bunch of records too. Jay Fiedler was 14 games over 500 as a starter in the NFL. Would you take him over Matt Stafford? Um, <laughs> Mitch Trubisky is eight games over 500 as a starter. Mark Sanchez was a better than 500 starter in the NFL. Remember old Mark Wilson, the Raiders quarterback? He was 32 and 20 as a starter. Elvis Gerback was 10 games over 500 as a starter. Kyle Orton was over 500 as a starter. Yes. Come on, people. You gotta, it's not, you cannot evaluate a quarterback where their, their record as a starting quarterback is anywhere near the top of the criteria that you're looking at in your evaluation. It's not it's not a it's a relevant data point, but it's far from the most important. You evaluate that player, then you evaluate the context in which he performed. 
You know, there are very few guys that would have performed. No one was going to win in Detroit. Just like no one was going to do well here for a long period of time. You know, there are certain places where you go, no matter how good you are, it just isn't going to work out. They had multiple coordinators, multiple head coaches, never had a running game. Most of the time, never had a defense. Talk to the people that really evaluate for a living and read some of what people have said about Matt Stafford. There's a reason reports are that a third of the league has reached out to Detroit about Matt Stafford. A third of the league. Now, there are a lot of teams with quarterback needs this year, but Stafford is number two on the market behind Deshaun Watson. He is, you know, if we can't get Watson or Watson's too expensive, can we get Stafford? Those are the two right now. You know, who else? Uh, Do you want Darnold? I'd be intrigued by Darnold if the Jets are moving on from him, if they're going to draft somebody, or if they're going to trade for Watson without having to give up Darnold. Yeah, I would be. Um, but Darnold's record isn't very good as a starter, Tommy. No. You know, so he hasn't started a lot of games. Um, I guess 12 years is, you know, people look at that and they say, he's been in the league 12 years. He's never won a playoff game. Um, yeah, but if you've watched him play, you, I mean, look, again, I, I don't profess to know anything about football, but I can tell – uh, just from the eye test that Matthew Stafford is an upgrade from anybody who's played quarterback uh, for this team for a while. Oh, yeah, massive. I mean, I you know, even when we were having the conversations and we were comparing Kirk to other quarterbacks and where he ranked, I always had Stafford a little bit ahead of, of Kirk. I liked Stafford more. People were surprised at that given my love for, for him, just like anybody was ever always surprised when you rated anybody ahead of Colt McCoy. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson's, uh, Watson, after this year, his uh, starting record is just three games over 500. 28 and 25 is a starter. Um, he got hurt that rookie year, remember? They were they were 3-3, three and three too. He was off to a great start. Then 11-5, and five, then 10-5 and five as a starter last year, and then 4-12 and 12 this year. Um, all right, a couple of other things to get to and uh, to finish up the show right, right after uh, this word or two from a couple of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Bradley Beal last night had 47 points for the Wizards, Tommy, and he became the first player in NBA history 
to score 40 or more in 10, in 10 games, uh, the last 10 games where he scored 40 or more and not win any of them. I think it's time for the Wizards. What's that say about the franchise? It's really, it's worse than it's been. You you never wanted to give it credit for anything, and I did. I thought there was that stretch with Randy and with John and Bradley Beal as young players and with Nene and Trevor Reza and Gortat, et cetera, and then that year with Paul Pierce, et cetera, where I really thought they were making strides. And and you knew, you know, I thought they were really well coached under Randy Whitman. And most of the people in town didn't like Randy, and apparently the players didn't love him. But basketball people knew Randy could coach. I like Scott Brooks a lot. I don't think he's anywhere near the coach that Whitman was. And I think he's in trouble right now. And I think that the organization has to, to, to be thinking about what they can get back for Beal. You can't wait. If you're going to do it, oh, you, you got to do it soon. Bradley, Bradley Beal is going to get traded, and Scott Brooks will be gone by the end of the year. He's not going to get fired during the season. Not this. You're right. Not during this season. No, Ted doesn't want to pay him and not have him coach. <laughs> yeah. But Bradley Beal's going to get dealt, and Scott Brooks is going to be gone. Here's the thing. Um, I would be okay if they traded Bradley. Uh, Br- Bradley's really developed into a, a, an elite scorer. You know, he's leading the league in scoring. He's averaging over 35 points a game. I think Durant's second, but he's five points back at like 30 a game. I mean, Beal is having uh, – Tommy, did Gill ever lead the league in scoring? I forget if Gill ever led the league in scoring. I know he averaged 28-something one year. I'd have to go look at that. And I don't think Elvin Hayes ever led the league in scoring. He was close. He was probably very close to leading the league in scoring. Um, I'd have to I'd have to look that up. But Bradley Beal may become – I mean, he's going to lead the league in scoring this year more likely than not. Um, they should trade him. Uh, and they tr- should try to get back as much as they can. He is going to be a free agent at the end of next year, and if you get to next year, you're not getting anything for him. And he's not going to stick around, you know, unless you somehow yeah. snag a great player, and Russell Westbrook's not a great player anymore. By the way, real quickly on Beal, my, my feeling, and I've shared this with, with you, Tommy, and, and those of you that are listening before, if you don't have a top-five player, you're not going to contend for an NBA championship more likely than not. You're certainly not going to win one. Um, the list of champions backs it up. The last team not to have an obvious top-five player in their starting lineup to win a championship were the 2004 Detroit Pistons with Chauncey Billups and Rip Hamilton and Ben Wallace and Sheed and, and that team. Every other team since has had an obvious top-five player. Um, on their team. The Wizards do not have a top five player. They have a leading scorer. They have an elite scorer. Bradley Beal is not a number one on a championship contending team. He just isn't. He is outside of the top 10 or 12 best players in the game. He's not in the top five, and he's not in the top 10. So... I agree. Unless you're going to bring in part of the problem with the NBA, part of the many problems with the NBA that they can't seem to fix. And at the start of the season, everybody knows there's only two or three teams that really have a chance to win. Maybe even two. Every year, it's the same way. And you know, I mean, the other sports don't have that issue. The other sports have different champions. In the NBA, it's it's. Pretty much the same actors. And, I mean, one of many things that's wrong with the game, I don't know how they fix it, but uh, 
I mean, the Wizards are going to be stuck at the bottom of, of the hamster cage until they do change it. Beal said after the game, when asked if he was frustrated, he said, quote, is the sky blue? Closed quote. He is frustrated. Um, he, you know, look, this team has really had it rough. I mean, they've had players out. They've missed games. They've played the fewest number of games in the entire league. Like, they have played 14 games, and the next fewest is 17 games because of all the games they've missed with COVID-related uh, issues. They've had players out. Their record is part a reflection of what they are and part a reflection a reflection of their circumstance, too. They've had it rougher than anybody in the league has had it. But there's one other question I want to ask you, and I'll answer as well. Um, if you could do a redo on the Westbrook wall deal, would you do it? We'll answer that right after this word from one of our sponsors. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The trade John Wall for Russell Westbrook isn't even two months old. It happened in early December, Tommy. What was your what was your thought on the trade? I forget what your position was. Well, I was in favor of it. I mean, I didn't think it would help them that much, but I thought Westbrook was a better player and be more entertaining to watch than Wall. See, I think Wall was, was a cancer, and I think that will come through at some point in Houston. Uh, and so uh, I, I was happy with the trade. I mean, I didn't know that Westbrook would play every other game. I didn't know that was part of his deal. My position at the time was, I, I, I said, I, I think my position is going to surprise many of you because many of you know, and Tommy knows, what a big Russell Westbrook fan I am. But if John Wall is going to be John Wall health-wise, I wouldn't do the deal. Um, but I didn't know, and I assumed that the Wizards thought, A, he wasn't going to be the same John Wall physically, and B, there was a lot of other stuff. You know, the John Wall gang uh, video from Brooklyn over the summer really, really upset management. I know that, um, and I think that they had had it. I think they were tired with John, and that big contract, they had a chance to get out of that big contract and bring back a player <coughs> who, who, as a teammate – um, is a totally different dude. I mean, Westbrook is, you know, is team friendly when it comes to the kind of guy he is, work ethic, etc. Um, John's looked healthy to me. I watched that some of that game the other you know, night. That, come, come talk to me in, in, in April. Okay, 
But if John okay. Wall continues, and now he's missed some games, some COVID games, some knee soreness, but when he's played, he has looked like John Wall. That's all I'm saying. He's looked like the John Wall from a few years ago. Yes, he has. So yes, he has. But he, but he will wear down. I would, I would redo the trade right now and take my chances on Wall. I, I, I'm one of the biggest Westbrook fans of all time. Westbrook, I, it's so frustrating to watch him on this team. It is painful at times to watch him on this team. His best days are behind him. They're not in front of him. And I would redo the deal. Now, you know, the, the Wizards know a lot more, and these teams know a lot more about what was going on here than I do. But based on the wall I've seen, I would redo the deal. I would redo it, but what do I know? Uh, what else you got today? I got one thing I wanted to share with you. Okay. I usually don't read the comments on my columns. In fact, I think I have maybe have done it two or three times over the course of my entire career. You know, they always have comment section in, on, the, uh, on the websites where people can put in comments. Well, I read one for the first time in years the other day. And I fell in love with it. And I've made it my motto, my slogan. And I've even made it the background photo for my Facebook page. And this is what it is. This guy wrote about me. If you wake up and feel good, reading him will make you feel worse. (laughs) If you... If, if you wake up and feel bad, reading him brings on the horrible. Uh, that is my slogan. Did you put it on your Twitter page? It's on my Facebook page. Oh. I haven't put it on my Twitter page yet. It's my background uh, for my Facebook page. Um, Tommy can, Tommy Thank can take you, the sir. punches. Just understand that. Uh, he takes a lot of them. We all do. Um, Tommy takes a bunch of them and he's the one much more than, than I, that will actually go at it with you on Twitter in 280 characters. He loves to do that. I don't know why, but he's got more free time, I guess, than most of us. Um, one last word when we come back on a friend of ours um, and another change um, at the radio station. Uh, right after I tell you about my bookie, um, my bookie right now. If you go to my bookie, mybookie.ag, they will match your deposit halfway up to a thousand dollars. So you deposit five hundred, you get an extra two hundred and fifty bucks. You deposit eight hundred bucks, you get an extra four hundred. Deposit a thousand, you get an extra five hundred dollars. Now, if you deposit fifteen hundred, they're only going to give you an extra five hundred. Right? They're only matching your deposit halfway up to a thousand dollars. Um, They've got so many Super Bowl prop bets. It's unbelievable. Here are some of the main prop bets right now. Uh, Is the first offensive play of the Super Bowl going to be a rushing play, a running play, or a passing play? The favorite is a run at minus 140, Tommy. So you have to wager $140 to win $100, or you have to wager $14 to win $10. Passing, the, the, uh, the odds of it being a pass play, even money, plus 100. All right, you bet 100, you win 100. I think I would bet on the pass with Brady or Mahomes. You think they're going to hand the ball off on the first play from scrimmage? <laughs> no, I don't think so. 
Um, so that there are all sorts of those prop bets. Um, you know, I often like the adjusted line bets um, that you can wager on or winning margin. Like if if you think the Chiefs are going to win this game in a close game somewhere between one and six points, that'll pay three fifty plus three fifty. So if you think they're going to win twenty seven twenty four like they did the first time, you can wager on them winning between one and six points. A hundred bucks will give you three hundred and fifty bucks. Now if you want to wager on the Buccaneers winning by forty three or more, it's plus nine thousand. So if you've got them fifty two to six. Um, you could, you could win, you know, a lot of money, bet a buck, win 9,000 bucks. Um, anyway, go to mybookie.ag. uh, use my promo code, Kevin DC live in-game betting, plenty of college hoops, NBA, NHL. They've got a live casino as well. Uh, they're totally trustworthy. They've got a ton of contests too, um, as well. Mybookie.ag use my promo code, Kevin DC. So um, another big change at the radio station today, Al Galdi, um, who's been at the station since 1998. Galdi came in as an intern in 1998 as a, as a student at Maryland. It's funny, Galdi's show, as you know, has followed my show on the station for a while now. And Galdi, um, yesterday, Tommy, was the... 20-year anniversary of the Maryland loss to Duke where they lost the 10-point lead in 54 seconds. So I did something on the game um, on the podcast and also did something on the game on the radio show. Galdi was working for WMUC, the campus radio station at Maryland, right there on the top of South, uh, South, Hall, uh, South Hill Dining Hall. Boy, that South Hill Dining Hall was quite the, the, the place to hang out um, way back in the day. WMUC located right on top of it. Galdi called the play-by-play of that game for WMUC. He was a student oh at the time. So at the end of the show yesterday, I had him on real quickly to tell me about it. I in, Shocker today, when I get to the end of my show, and they say, Galdi's not in today. And I said, oh, okay. Um, and then Galdi uh, posted something, and I talked to him. I had a, a long conversation with him. I'm really, really upset. He started at 980 as an intern in 1998, and he's been there ever since. Galdi, I mean, I know we've talked about Zabe, you know, in Scotland and CJ and Doc over the last couple of months, all of whom have been um, let go by the radio station. With Zabe, it was more of a, of a mutual thing. Um, bec- we've got a new owner of the radio station, and I have no idea what my fate is. I think that they want me to stay, and I think I'm going to stay, and I hope it works out. I do. I'm fortunate to have this podcast, which I love very much. And one day, I guarantee you, the only thing we'll be doing is a podcast because that's sort of the way it's going anyway. Um, but being at that station for you know basically the better part of the last 17 years, I got to know Al really, really well. First of all, Al and I remember in Rockville, Tommy, even back in Silver Spring, but in Rockville, you know, Galdi's desk was right out, right outside my office. It was Solly and Galdi and me that would just sit there and yuck it up for hours upon hours. Your your office was, you know, basically uh, the door was always shut. Um, and you were in there, you know, um, basically basking in the glow of all of your glory uh, and all of your trophies and pictures and 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 all of your um, uh, pr- press credentials that you've saved over the years that you had hanging up all over the office. But Galdi, 
I don't think of all of the people that we worked with that anybody prepared and worked at it more than Galdi did. That's an absolute fact. No that's one. That's not even an opinion. <laughs> right. No one worked as no, hard. We know that to and be an absolute fact. No one worked as hard or as relentlessly and was as dedicated to everything he did, whether it was updates or shows or pregame shows or postgame shows. He was the most prepared guy there was. It's funny because he and I have had these conversations over the years. You know, the, it's really been a shame for Galdi in recent years. Um, you know, the, the previous two owners of the station really had zero interest in owning the station. And so the lineups were constantly changing. And Galdi was, you know, doing a show with Zabe and with um, Cooley and then ended up, you know, with Doc for a little while and on his own for a little while and then doing, you know, uh, when Cooley and I did our show from 7 to 11, they wanted our show to start at 7 because, you know, the AM station that we we are on, for half of the year, when it's dark, it's very hard to get. It, it has a signal issue in the dark. And so they had us doing 7 to 11. They had Galdi coming in doing 6 to 7 and then coming back and doing the show afterwards. Galdi worked with Doc. They had him with all sorts of people. I think Galdi was the absolute best at our station over the years working by himself. I think he preferred that, and he was great at it. He was super prepared. He was always a guy that knew, uh, had so much information, and um, was egoless. And, you know, this business, there is a lot of ego, although I think, you know, for the most part, other than yours, most of the people that I've worked with didn't have big egos. I'm kidding, of course. I, don't you think that's true that most of the people we've worked with over the years really, there wasn't like a massive ego? No prima donnas in the bunch. Not one, right? Over the years at 980? Right. Um, yeah. and, and, and Galdi was just a total team player in every way. He was a pro. I, I don't, I don't get it. You know, I, I tweeted out and I really, when, when I got off the air and I saw him, uh, a friend of mine, actually, I think it was Neil in Rockville, uh, sent me the tweet. He goes, Galdi. And I go, what? I, he's off today. And he goes, no, did you see what he tweeted? And I looked at the tweet and I, I just, it was like a gut punch. I, and I, and I called him and we talked for a while. He's. I've always loved Galdi. I, I've always listened to Galdi. You know, you've worked with Galdi. He's he did that baseball show, which was a fixture on Saturday mornings on the station for years. Again, I, you know, it's another one of those days. I'm just being really honest. I, you know, some of you, so many of you, have tweeted me today um, about Al and about the future of the station and everybody. I don't have the answers. I'm not management. You know, I don't have the answers. I can just tell you what I've told you over the last month and a half as it related to Doc, CJ, Scott Lynn, Zabe. It doesn't feel the same. It really doesn't. And I get nostalgic on days like today because I loved. There was a time where it really was like being in a fraternity going to work, wasn't it? In that bullpen in Rockville. Oh, absolutely. A lot of camaraderie, a lot of fun. Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 I started out with Galdi was a producer on the sports reporters. Uh, he wasn't the first producer I worked with. I think he was maybe the second or third. But that's when I got to know Al, when he was a producer on the sports, on sports reporters. 
Al was, um, he did everything. I mean, look, all yeah. of us did everything at, 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 at various times. But Galdi just did everything and just did everything so well and so professionally. I don't know, man. I, 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 I don't get it at all. Galdi's so versatile. Um, Galdi can host a show by himself. He can host a show with a partner. He can do pregame. He can do postgame. He can do, you know, baseball shows. He can do uh, rest, you know, Galdi with his wrestling, you know, knowledge. You know, the other thing about Galdi, and I don't know if it ever really came across on the air as much as it did behind the scenes, but Galdi had a very subtly, a very subtle sense of humor that was very funny. Um, a very wicked sense of humor at times. Um, I, I, you know, he's going to land on his feet. You know, this is, you know, he didn't die. But, man, I, uh, that one to me just blew me away. I just, I, I didn't really, um, I don't get it. Um, but, uh, you know, when you're not the owner um, and there are new ones that come around, they see things differently. Uh, they're going to miss uh, not having a guy like Al Galdi as part of the station, big time. Um, and I felt the same way about everybody else too. But I, I do wish sometimes we could just go back, you know, five, ten years and and have everybody back together. It was very much like um, a club. And by the way, I've said this before, and it's not at all an exaggeration. So many of you that listen, we, I think I'm, I, I don't I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think we always felt that you guys were part of the same club. Like, you know, so many of you that we know by name or by voice um, were yeah, always absolutely. a part of it. And it's just, it's it's different now. It is. Different doesn't mean worse, I guess. Um, but it's different. But Galdi was the best, man. The best. He'll land on his feet. He'll find something soon, I am sure, of it. Uh, people would be nuts not to hire him. Anything else? I got nothing else, boss. I just... Gonna uh, stare, uh, go in the mirror, and look at my arm for a while, and look at the spot that was vaccinated. All right. Well, did they say that you might get some, you know, some symptoms like fever or anything like that, or chills or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, they, they give you a list of possible symptoms and stuff. But yeah. uh, I mean, it's been you know four hours and nothing, and I've never had a bad reaction to a vaccine of any sort. So. Yeah, I mean, considering what you've put into your body, um, a vaccine's nothing. Um, all right, thanks. Uh, everybody have a great day. Sorry for getting it out so late today. We had a lot of stuff going on. Uh, back tomorrow.